episode six. Harry's lamp seemed to grow dimmer as the cold gray light that precedes sunrise slowly crept into the room. Finally, when the sun had risen, when his bedroom walls had turned gold, and when sounds of movement could be heard from Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia's room, Harry cleared his desk of crumpled pieces of parchment and reread his finished letter. Dear Sirius, thanks for your last letter. That bird was enormous. It could hardly get through my window. Things are the same as usual here. Dudley's diet isn't going too well. My aunt found him smuggling doughnuts into his room yesterday. They told him they'd have to cut his pocket money if he keeps doing it, so he really got angry and chucked his PlayStation out of the window. That's a sort of computer thing you can play games on. Bit stupid, really. Now he hasn't even got a mega mutilation part three to take his mind off things. I'm okay, mainly because the Dursleys are terrified you might turn up and turn them all into bats if I ask you to. A weird thing happened this morning, though. My scar hurt again. Last time that happened, it was because Voldemort was at Hogwarts, but I don't reckon he can be anywhere near me now, can he? Do you know if curse scars sometimes hurt years afterwards? I'll send this with Hedwig when she gets back. She's off hunting at the moment. Say hello to Buckbeak for me, Harry. Yes, thought Harry, that looked all right. There was no point putting in the dream. He didn't want it to look as though he was too worried. He folded the parchment up and laid it aside on his desk, ready for when Hedwig returned. Then he got to his feet, stretched, and opened his wardrobe once more. Without glancing at his reflection, he started to get dressed before going down to breakfast. Chapter 3. The Invitation by the time Harry arrived in the kitchen, the three Dursleys were already seated around the table. None of them looked up as he entered or sat down. Uncle Vernon's large red face was hidden behind the morning's daily mail, and Aunt Petunia was cutting a grapefruit into quarters, her lips pursed over her horse-like teeth. Dudley looked furious and sulky, and somehow seemed to be taking up even more space than usual. Now, this was saying something, as he always took up an entire side of the square table by himself. When Aunt Petunia put a quarter of unsweetened grapefruit onto Dudley's plate with a tremulous, There you are, Diddy Darling, Dudley glowered at her. His life had taken a most unpleasant turn since he had come home for the summer with his end-of-year report. Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia had managed to find excuses for his bad marks, as usual. Aunt Petunia always insisted that Dudley was a very gifted boy whose teachers didn't understand him, while Uncle Vernon maintained that he didn't want some swatty little Nancy boy for a son anyway. They also skated over the accusations of bullying in the report. He's a boisterous little boy, but he wouldn't hurt a fly, said Aunt Petunia, tearfully. However, at the bottom...
bottom of the report, there were a few well-chosen comments from the school nurse, which not even Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia could explain away. No matter how much Aunt Petunia wailed that Dudley was big-boned and that his poundage was really puppy-fat and that he was a growing boy who needed plenty of food, the fact remained that the school outfitters did not stock knickerbockers big enough for him anymore. The school nurse had seen what Aunt Petunia's eyes, so sharp when it came to spotting fingerprints on her gleaming walls, and in observing the comings and goings of the neighborhood, seen what her eyes simply refused to see, that far from needing extra nourishment, Dudley had reached roughly the size and weight of a young killer whale. So, after many tantrums, after arguments that shook Harry's bedroom floor, and many tears from Aunt Petunia, the new regime had begun. The diet sheet that had been sent by the smelting school nurse had been taped to the fridge, which had been emptied of all Dudley's favorite things, fizzy drinks and cakes, chocolate bars and burgers, and filled instead with fruit and vegetables and the sort of things that Uncle Vernon called rabbit food. To make Dudley feel better about it all, Aunt Petunia had insisted that the whole family follow the diet too. She now passed a grapefruit quarter to Harry. He noticed that it was a lot smaller than Dudley's. Aunt Petunia seemed to feel that the best way to keep up Dudley's morale was to make sure that he did at least get more to eat than Harry. But Aunt Petunia didn't know what was hidden under the loose floorboard upstairs. She had no idea that Harry was not following the diet at all. The moment he had got wind of the fact that he was expected to survive the summer on carrot sticks, Harry had sent Hedwig to his friends with pleas for help, and they had risen to the occasion magnificently. Hedwig had returned from Hermione's house with a large box stuffed full of sugar-free snacks. Hermione's parents were dentists. Hagrid, the Hogwarts gamekeeper, had obliged with a sack full of his own homemade rock cakes. Harry hadn't touched these. He had had too much experience of Hagrid's cooking. Mrs. Weasley, however, had sent the family owl, Errol, with an enormous fruitcake and assorted pasties. Poor Errol, who was elderly and feeble, had needed a full five days to recover from the journey. And then, on Harry's birthday, which the Dursleys had completely ignored... He had received four superb birthday cakes, one each from Ron, Hermione, Hagrid, and Sirius. Harry still had two of them left. And so, looking forward to a real breakfast when he got back upstairs, he started eating his grapefruit without complaint. Uncle Vernon laid aside his paper with a deep sniff of disapproval and looked down at his own grapefruit quarter. Is this it? he said grumpily to Aunt Petunia. Aunt Petunia gave him a severe look and then nodded pointedly at Dudley, who had already finished his own grapefruit quarter and was eyeing Harry's with a very sour look in his piggy little eyes. Uncle Vernon gave a great sigh which ruffled his large bushy mustache and 
picked up his spoon. The doorbell rang. Uncle Vernon heaved himself out of his chair and set off down the hall. Quick as a flash, while his mother was occupied with the kettle, Dudley stole the rest of Uncle Vernon's grapefruit. Harry heard talking at the door and someone laughing and Uncle Vernon answering curtly. Then the front door closed and the sound of ripping paper came from the hall. Aunt Petunia set the teapot down on the table and looked curiously around to see where Uncle Vernon had got to. She didn't have to wait long to find out. After about a minute, he was back. He looked livid. You, he barked at Harry, in the living room, now. Bewildered, wondering what on earth he was supposed to have done this time, Harry got up and followed Uncle Vernon out of the kitchen and into the next room. Uncle Vernon closed the door sharply behind both of them. So, he said, marching over to the fireplace and turning to face Harry as though he was about to produce him under arrest. So, Harry would have dearly loved to have said, so what? But he didn't feel that Uncle Vernon's temper should be tested this early in the morning, especially when it was already under severe strain from lack of food. He therefore settled for looking politely puzzled. This just arrived, said Uncle Vernon. He brandished a piece of purple writing paper at Harry. A letter about you. Harry's confusion increased. Who would be writing to Uncle Vernon about him? Who did he know who sent letters by the postman? <laughs>